Anybody ever been burned by fire? One thing's for sure, you can't stay still. Amen. Talking about the Holy Ghost power. We was talking about that last Sunday. Talking about the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And I am glad for it. I don't know if you realize it or not, but that's real, authentic, genuine power. Amen. We're not talking about no fake stuff, no frilly stuff, no emotional stuff. We're not talking about all that. Some temporary stuff that's here today, gone tomorrow, but we're talking about true power. Amen. That makes you victorious no matter what you encounter and go through. It's the power of the Holy Ghost, and I'm glad for that. Amen. Sometimes I don't feel well in my body, but I'm so glad to know that I still got power in the Holy Ghost. Amen. We are so grateful for what God is doing as always, and... uh I'm glad to see my pastor back here. Amen. God brought him back safely, and they have been gone on a little vacation, and I pray that they have been rejuvenated and inspired. Amen. His wife back there, so glad to see them back here in the midst of the assembly of God here in La Crosse. And so we are going to continue talking about fellowship. As it pertains to ministry, because that's been the overall theme for this particular part of our lesson, talking about ministry. And fellowship is an important part of ministry. As we go and we attempt to do things for God, to reach out to those that are in need, it is vital that we as a people of God have some time of fellowship, have a moment to fellowship and to fellowship we as we talked about last week means to come together amen and the words that we use coming together unity so on and so forth right doing things together so in essence that is the definition of fellowship but we're going to take that a little bit further to understand what it means to fellowship as christians Because like I said last week, it's not just about coming together for a common cause. There's a whole lot of things that are common, but it doesn't edify. All of it doesn't edify. All of it doesn't inspire, and all of it doesn't draw us closer to God. Amen? And so when we come together as Christians, when we are fellowshipping, there is a reason why we do what we do. Fellowship begins with a connection between two or more people. It is a gathering together. The fellowship means to commune with. The fact that we are gathered together here in this place even today signifies an effort toward fellowship. But as Christians, we are encouraged to continue in fellowship. And having fellowship means more than just physical attendance. Amen? It's more than just you showing up. There's something more that's required. If you're going to inspire and encourage someone, you got to do more than just show up. And let me say this. Some folks, as children of God, I will say this as Christians, you should never be coming here in survival mode. 
Every time you walk in the doors of the house of God, you should be coming ready to contribute. Amen? If we relied on one person to inspire and encourage us every week, we'll be hurting. So we all have to come ready to contribute. You know what that means? That means that there is a preparation before I come to the house of God. Amen? You can't encourage someone in the things of God if you haven't been communing with God yourself. You haven't been spending time in his word and you haven't been spending time. God has been speaking to you and you ain't been listening to him. He's been showing you things, trying to bring you through some things, trying to cut some things away from your life. And you have rejected every effort that God has made to commune with you. You are in no position to encourage anybody. That's why I love the scripture says, try the spirit. You can say all the beautiful words you want to say to me to encourage my soul, but I'm trying the spirit. Where is it that's, where is it coming from? Because if you have no relationship with God, it's not doing much for me. Words come and go. But what spirit are you operating under? And that's the first thing we'll be talking about is unity in the spirit. If we're talking about fellowshipping as Christians, we've got to have unity in the spirit. Brothers and sisters, that's where it all began. You were drawn to this thing by the spirit of God. Y'all believe that? So we talk about the Holy Ghost, right? So for all of us who have the Holy Ghost, we understand where we used to be and where God brought us from. To the point where we are now. Now we should be in a position because of what God has done where we are able to encourage others, minister to others. But if you're still struggling with some stuff in your life, I would encourage you, if you think for a second that you're just getting by, there's no just getting by with God. Well, I'm 99% good, but you know this one part of my life, one area of my life I just can't let go. Well, I bet you'll let it go when you know you're going to hell. I'm not trying to be ugly, but that is just the truth. Y'all should know me by now. I love y'all. But in love, we speak the truth. Amen. Unity in the spirit. In order to have unity in the spirit, you must first be filled with the spirit. And we're talking about the spirit because there are many spirits, but we are talking about the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, however you want to refer to it, as long as you know it is the spirit of God. Amen. You can't, we can't fellowship with just anybody. All right. I have acquaintances. I have people that I associate with on an everyday. You know, the Bible tells us to show ourselves friendly. But it also tells us, it warns us about being friends with the world. 
Because if you're friends with the world, you're an enemy of God. Now, I can show myself friendly. Now, me showing myself friendly is a reflection of what God has done in me. So what I'm showing you, what did Jesus say? Let your light so shine before men. That's what they're seeing. That they see your good works, and as a result, they recognize who it's credited to. Because that's my aim in the first place. When I'm showing myself friendly, I'm really trying to show you what God can do in your life. But showing myself friendly makes the connection. You'll never win anybody when you cast in stones at them. Look at Jesus' example. When you find him in his ministry, we said it last week, but the ones that he spoke harsh to were the ones who thought they had it all together. Even the rich man who came with the wrong attitude says, okay, not a problem. You said you got it all together. You've done all this stuff. So obviously you are aware of the law. You know the law. Not a problem. But let's talk about something that you haven't got all together. Go sell everything that you have. Jesus knew how to address the situation, but he never took anything away from the young man. I'm pretty sure Jesus could have pointed out some, a whole lot of things that he might have violated in, in the law. But he didn't do that. Now, the Pharisees came, and they always tried. You notice Jesus never went to the Pharisees to challenge them. They always found him out. He's out there trying to reach the lost and minister to those in need, and they still trying to come up with an agenda to catch him in something, make him look bad. And every time they had to walk away in shame because Jesus always turned it right back around. But he didn't do it in an ugly way. You know, Jesus cared about him. I think that was the thing that was so frustrating is the fact that you know the law. You have it. You know the history. If anybody should have influence, matter of fact, I shouldn't have had to go get disciples. Y'all should have been coming. Y'all knew the prophecy. As soon as I came on board, y'all should have been ready. You have to be filled with the Spirit, getting back on topic here, in order to have unity in the Spirit. And the Spirit of God is what we're talking about. So there is an evil spirit. Now, again, we talk about, you know, people being possessed, so on and so forth. You can be under the influence and not be possessed. You can be possessed and it not be fully manifested. So if you're looking for everybody who's possessed with a demon to walk around foaming at the mouth and eyes rolling back and levitating and everything else, that's not the case. Just so we track in Hollywood has done a great job in taking away from what the scripture tells us about how things operate. 
Now you now you have seen those full manifestations, and that's in the scripture. In fact, Brother Demuth was talking about it last week when he was preaching his message about the gentleman with his son from from a young age who was tortured in his life because he was possessed with a demon. But you got some, they look just as normal as you do. And ladies and gentlemen, some of them are bold enough to try to come right up in the church and sit in the pew. Right next to you. So, if we are going to have unity in the spirit, we got to first possess the spirit of God. And let me say it this way, because I like to say it this way. The spirit of God must possess us. Because being in the spirit of God, you're able to discern spiritual things. Paul tells us that our warfare is not carnal. In Ephesians, he talks about the warfare that we fight. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, spiritual wickedness, and, you know, in high places. We're not fighting against one another. But it's spiritual. So in order to win in a spiritual battle, you've got to have spiritual power. Right? So you've got to be filled with the Spirit. When you are filled with the Spirit of God, you are joined together by the Spirit of God. Those of us who are Spirit-filled, we are naturally joined together by the Spirit of God. This is what I said last week. Your personality no longer matters. This is what, this is what Paul was talking about. He says, neither Jew nor Greek. Male nor female in the scripture, you know, in, the, in Jesus, in Christ. Because in the spirit, it doesn't matter. Your gender doesn't matter in the spirit when you're operating in the spirit. Now, don't take away from what, where we're going because gender has its place. God made male and female, so let's not confuse that. But when it comes to the operation of the spirit, the gifts of the spirit and things like that in the body of Christ, it doesn't matter if you're male or female when you're operating in the gifts. If somebody is, you know, speaking in tongues, you're speaking in other tongues and somebody else gives the interpretation, tongues and interpretation. That's not based upon your gender. That's based upon whatever gifting God has given you, male or female. We got men and women who play who play music. We got men and women who are able to speak and minister. We got so it, it doesn't matter in that aspect when you're talking about operating in the spirit. Now let's go to this because I'm I'm gonna take you to the scriptures. Since some of y'all feel like I don't give y'all enough scriptures, I'm gonna help y'all out. Romans chapter eight. I like to quote the scriptures and just keep going, but I'm gonna, we're gonna take some time and stop so that way y'all can write it down. Romans chapter 8, and we will begin with verse 9. So, Paul says, I'm going to actually read verse 8 real quick. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. First and foremost, let's just get that straight. It's not the flesh that God is interested in. You can't please God in the flesh. In fact, the Bible tells us that the flesh and the spirit, there is a battle between the two because the flesh wants to do the total opposite 
of what the Spirit of God is calling us to do. Amen? The flesh has a will of its own. But, verse 9, ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. But ye are not in the flesh, comma, but in the Spirit, comma, let me continue, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. My question again is, how many Holy Ghost filled believers do we have in this place? Because if you have the Spirit of God, Paul is telling us, you're not even going to cater to the flesh. It's no longer about the flesh. If the Spirit of God is in you, you are not in the flesh. Right? Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. This is one of the reasons why we can't fellowship with just anybody. Guess who you belong to when you are spirit-filled? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, right? If you've been baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. That becomes your identity. And if Christ be in you, The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. You will have become empowered because you have the very spirit of of God in you. Now, I don't know what that means to you, but what that means to me is the very God that we talk about, that we serve, who is mighty, there's none like him. He's only one. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. Everything about God that we talk about, you mean his spirit is actually dwelling in me. That's why we can say greater is he that is in me We're not just talking about someone that's remotely detached from us. But by having his spirit, he dwells within us. And if his spirit dwells within us, then those who are spirit-filled, we naturally begin to commune with one another in the spirit. You don't have to like the color blue. But none of that matters when we're coming together in the spirit. Amen? Sometimes folks get too caught up in preferences. You know, I always say, and I, I, I say this a lot, even to some people I work with. At the end of the day, it's your decision what you do, how you live, what you choose to believe, so on and so forth. It really doesn't take anything away from me. I have learned that. I used to get frustrated, like, oh, man, they got to. I'm not going to hell because you don't believe. I'm going to hell if I don't believe. Now, we're not talking about convictions because that's a whole different lesson. That's a whole different story. But you believing the word of God, that's non-compromisable. But that's your choice. What you choose to do. Jesus offered it to a whole lot of people. 
Multitudes were following him, but that don't mean that multitudes believe. So it's not my problem if you don't believe. I'll pray for you. I love you, but I got to roll on. I believe. That's, you know, that's one of the reasons why, you know, you can do some things in debates, I guess, you know, but at the end of the day, whether you believe it or not, you know what I see a debate as? An opportunity for me to just preach a message. Because whatever question you ask, if you invited me, now if I, if I provoke the debate, then I, you know. But if you invited me because you know my faith, guess what? It don't matter what questions you ask me, guess what I'm going to continue to say? This is what the Word of God says. You can ask me, well, how do you know the Bible is true? Because I believe it. It's really that simple. Now, there are, there are different ways to articulate it, but it really comes down to, do I believe or don't I believe? That's it. You make the choice. Here it is. It's available. Do you believe it or don't you believe it? I believe this. I believe that his spirit dwells within me. I know what he's doing in me. I know there are things that I would do on my own, and if it wasn't for the Spirit of God, I'd be messed up. Thank God for his Spirit. Amen? Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, verse 12, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds, we just finished talking a little bit about that, of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. See that? So you want to know what qualifies you to be a child of God? It's not your physical membership. You filled out a card and now you're a member of a denomination. That's great. But what makes you a child of God is the Spirit of God. But not just having it, being led by the Spirit of God. Some folks just stop with having it. Got my ticket, I'm good. Put it in my pocket and you'll never see it again. But we have to be led by the Spirit. That's a relationship thing. That's an ongoing thing. Amen? For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. This is what I love right here. I was, I was watching this little clip on YouTube that uh, it said something. The title of it was something about the Jehovah's Witness went to the wrong, knocked on the wrong door. But as I was listening to the dialogue, it's about an hour long. As I was listening to the dialogue between the two, I heard the gentleman, the gentleman who lived there, they mentioned something about they were Israelites. And they tried to use scripture on how to prove how they were Israelites and, you know, how you had the north and the south kingdoms of Israel and, you know, all the south became Gentiles because they rejected the law and so on and so forth. And all this stuff they started talking about. I said, that's confusion right there. The Jehovah's Witness, I don't, you know, agree with everything they're talking about, but the one thing that the lady said. The world 
can be saved and grafted into the body of Christ, into the members of the body of Christ. So how does that happen? Through the Spirit. Now, that was where they, didn't, they went off the trail. But we are adopted into the family of God. So as you know history, you know you read the Old Testament, you know that the promised seed naturally, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, and then with his 12 sons came forth the 12 tribes of Israel, all because of a promise that God made to Abraham. So this is all carried out. These were the descendants of Abraham, these descendants, because he had another son, Ishmael, but the descendants of Isaac and Jacob, this was the promised seed. So if you were an Israelite, then you were part of God's family under the Old Testament, under the law. God didn't require all the rest of them. Now, he, now, if you wanted to be a part of God's family, there was a way for you to embrace. And you can read about that, how the law talks about that. If you're going to have a servant and you're going to have somebody else that, you know, you can look at, um, um, what's the lady's name, Ruth, right, who became part of the family of God, right? And, and, and really, that was awesome how that turned out because you got David, right, that came through that lineage, Isn't that awesome? But you still had somebody from that lineage that was in that bloodline. She was just grafted in. So I think that's pretty awesome how God did that. Even in the Old Testament, God didn't, you know, he didn't say you couldn't be a part, but if you were going to, this is what you had to do. Isn't it interesting how we in the church today, somebody say, well, if you're going to be a part of church and be used, this is what you got to do and look at the pastor crazy. Like, why are you requiring this of me? There was always requirements. <laughs> Nothing changed. Yes. All right. So, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. It is only by his spirit. You'll see that, right? Now, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, because we understand you got to have the Spirit. I'm, I started, I touched on this earlier. He talks about spiritual gifts. I don't want you to be ignorant concerning the spiritual gifts in the body. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give to you, give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the 
So you got to have it, right? You can't even acknowledge him for who he is without having the spirit of God, right? Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. It's all for the purpose of developing the body of Christ. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Look how he emphasizes this. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these that, excuse me, all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as I think is necessary. But I think I would make a good pastor. And? But who is God calling to pastor this assembly? Lord, listen it. <laughs> oh help us jesus so it is according to the will of the lord amen as he wills he distributes throughout the body of christ for as the body is one and have many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body so also is Christ. For one, by one spirit, look at this, are we all baptized into one body? Again, I say, you can't be a part of this thing until you have the spirit. You know what baptism in water does? It gives you a clean conscience, and that's great. That's awesome. You get a fresh start. But you've got to have the spirit of God. One spirit, are we all baptized into one body? Jesus says, he told Nicodemus, he says, you got to accept a man, be born of water and of the, you're not going to enter in. Look at this. Whether you be Jews or Gentiles, bond or free, and have all, have been all made to drink into, again, he emphasizes one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. A lot of people there, foot, hand, you know, he goes on to talk about the different parts of the body and how, uh, you know, we can't say to one that, you know, one is insignificant. We kind of read over some of this before, but I'm going to skip down here. Um, verse 24, for our comely parts have no, uh, for our comely parts have no need, but God had tempered, that was actually a continuation here, but our, but God had tempered the body together having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. How do we do that? 
by operating under the same spirit. Everybody that says they are Christian doesn't mean that they have the spirit you have. But if we are who we say we are, then the spirit should agree. You know, the Bible, that's why the Bible talks about it. two or three gathered together and you touching and agreeing. What are you agreeing in? In the spirit. That's why you can't yoke up with just any and everybody. Let's go there. Let's talk about that. Because that's important. And I got to hurry along. I got two other points that got to be made. So, talking about being unequally yoked. I believe that scripture is in Matthew. Is it? Second, thank you. Second Corinthians. That's right. Second Corinthians. Chapter 6, and we're going to, there was something else actually here. I won't read all this. But if you look at the earlier verse, talks about giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Okay, again, we're talking about ministry, right? Fellowship. Here's where we start talking about who we fellowship with. Look at this. Verse 14. We always like to, we always like to use this when it pertains to marriage. But brothers and sisters, this is not just talking about marriage. Look at, the, look at what he says. Be ye not unequally yoked. Verse 14 Together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Brothers and sisters, we've been called out of darkness. I think that was in Peter. Called out of darkness, right? Into his marvelous light. So we don't have communion with darkness. What concord hath Christ with Belial? Christ is not sitting down with Satan chilling. They're not sitting together at the table of brotherhood. What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. This is a promise. Who's speaking? God. By his spirit, we are adopted. We see that. We saw that in the scripture, right? We remain the sons of God but we have to make sure that we come out from the world. Because that's what he's calling us out from, is he not? Now, when he gives you his spirit, we fellowship with those of like faith. When we say faith, it's not just talking about you coming here. Did you know that as a spirit-filled believer, you are fellowshipping 
in the spirit with brothers and sisters that are miles away. Because you're joined together. You got some folks that are praying prayers that you're praying that are in other countries. You don't even know them. But you're joined together in one body by one spirit. So we got to have unity in the spirit. Amen. But in order to be unified in the spirit, we got to do away the deeds of the flesh. We got to stop worrying about fleshly things, earthly things. Amen. Now, there's a practical or a natural aspect of your life. And I, like I told you before, God is interested in every area of your life. But when it comes to operating in the things of God, we've got to be unified in the spirit. Who cares what color you like and what color I like? What's your favorite car, whatever? What's your favorite scent and all that other great stuff? You can talk about that all day long. But when it comes down to it, true fellowship has to be done in the spirit. The Bible does tell us that God is a spirit, does it not? So how can you worship him in Spirit. Amen. All right, let me move on. Unity in the truth is the other thing that we have to have. Unity in the truth. David says in Psalm 51 and 6, you desire to have truth on the inward parts. Brothers and sisters, I can walk around carrying the Bible all day long, giving the appearance that I've got the truth. But if it's not inside of me, it means nothing You got to know the truth. John eight thirty two. Jesus says what? You shall know the truth and the truth will do what? Make you free. To know the truth is to know Christ. You know what that means? It means to have a relationship. It's not just a matter of, oh, I have a knowledge, but to know. When you look at that word know, it's not just, oh, I've got information, but I have a relationship, a connection with truth you shall know the truth and by knowing or having a relationship with the truth it's going to do what make you free john 17 to 17 what did jesus say Sanctify them through thy truth. What is truth? Thy word is truth. But then Jesus says in John 14 and 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So how could he say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and then he says, thy word is truth? Which one is it? All the same, right? John chapter 1. What does he say? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then what does he say? The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory... Of the only begotten of the Father, full of gray, uh, uh, grace and truth. Right? So y'all see that. John chapter 5, verse 39. Because I don't have a lot of time. Look at what Jesus says. 
Search. Look in them scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. It's all about Christ, right? Christ is the living word. He is the word manifested in flesh. The word was God. You see how the scriptures tying all that into one anyway? Amen? Second Timothy 3 and 16. Because this is where I'm getting at. Folks want to follow Christ but don't want to follow his word. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. What does it say? All scripture... All scripture is given by inspiration of man. You get your license, you a prophet, you bought it online for 50 bucks, you got your DVDs, now you know how to lay hands on people and get a good feeling. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, uh-oh, for instruction in righteousness. If you don't want to be right, then I don't need to waste my time telling you anything about what the Word of God say. That's what we're doing. You're preaching, teaching, and sharing with one another. That's what it's all about. We base everything off of the Word of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. When the men wrote the Scriptures in the Old Testament, they always argue that men wrote the Scriptures, but they missed the part where it says, holy men, they wrote as they were. It was the Spirit of God that was giving them. That's why he says again, all Scripture is given by inspiration. God breathed. Is provided by God. That's awesome. So we do have something tangible from our God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. To be united in truth. This is one of the things that is plaguing the body of Christ today. Is a deviation from the truth. You know why? I can tell you what I think, what I feel about the scriptures. I can, you know, there are folks that that can take the scriptures and they can have you, they can bring you down one path and out the other and and you follow them the whole way and you like, man, whoo. And the whole time they were misleading you. Now, if you're unified in the Spirit, you're going to be able to pick up on that. Try the Spirit. That's why I tell I'm not up here to entertain. I don't get up to entertain, folks. I mean, I know it comes across. Some things may sound funny, but I'm not trying to entertain. I'm just trying to minister and do what God wants me to do and make sure that I'm doing what he's telling me to do, saying what he wants me to say. We cannot deviate from the truth. And the truth, we, you know, it's, it's a whole lot more issues than just the homosexuality and the political issues that's going on and all this other stuff. Some folks are so narrow-minded. This is a spiritual thing that's happening. 
But one of the things that's not happening is the truth is not being taught. I can yell at you for an hour. Excited. Everybody's jumping and shouting. And this is what's happening in some places. And you still leave without what you need. In preaching, this is why we do Bible study. Because that's an opportunity to sit down, take our time, and bring you through the scriptures. You know, I realize you get some folks that come in on Sunday, they're not ready for a whole Bible study. So you taking them through 50 million scriptures, you don't have that time with them. But that's why we do home Bible studies, we do midweek Bible studies, we have all these different Bible studies so we can take the time and actually bring you through the scriptures to show you this is what the word of God says about this. There are a lot of folks in different situations, different conditions. You get some folks that, you know, they receive the Holy Ghost, they just come to church, they receive the Holy Ghost, yeah, I'm saved, but they have no teaching. That's why a lot of folks don't stay around because they have no teaching. It's not that they didn't have the experience, but there was no one to bridge the gap to help them understand the experience that they had and where God is trying to bring them. Let me take you through the scriptures. Let me help you understand what it is that God is calling you to. That can only be done in the truth of God's word. This is what I always say. Truth can only be truth. It can be nothing else. But truth. Anything outside of truth, there's nothing beyond truth in that regard. So anything that's outside of truth is a lie. Period. You don't tell the full information, it's still a lie. You have some folks that, well, you know, I just told part of the information so I could, well, you just told a lie. If you tell half the information, half the truth, then it's still deficient of truth. So it's not truth. It's a, uh, you don't have to agree with me, but I'm just telling you that's what it is. God doesn't come to us with half truth. It's like, well, you know, I'm telling you this part right here, you know, and just keep you. From... No, that's not how God operates. He's all about truth. Truth is a part of his character. That's where truth comes from. So if you tell anything else outside of that, you're not telling the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When you are united in truth, you're, not, you're united in Christ. When you're united in the spirit, you're united in Christ, right? Got to have the truth. Stop fighting the truth. How do we, how do we, uh, yeah, I see this thing going. How do we differentiate between doctrine and truth? People, this is, this is interesting to me. People will accept the Bible for the verbiage and then ask you, so what doctrine do you teach at your church? Can I say something else? Your convictions... I don't care if it's, I've heard the three umbrellas, you've got personal convictions, church conviction, and there was another one. What is it? Bible conviction, right? 
Brothers and sisters, every conviction you have should be based upon the word of God. Period. God will not convict you about something that is not in compliance with his word. So it should all be biblical based. The whole purpose of conviction is to help save your soul, is it not? So if I'm convicting you, it's in my word. I'm trying to help you out. Just so happens that this particular area in your life, I've got to bring you out of that. Here's why. You should always be able to show in the scripture. Whatever you're living, when you say you're a child of God, you should always be able to go to the scripture and show it. And if you can't, then you need to ask yourself, is this something coming from God? Unity in truth. Say this last thing, and I'm going to stop here because I'm way over my time. But here's the deal. If you're united in the spirit and you're united in truth, I'm going to have to do a split lesson next week. But if you're united in the spirit and you're united in truth, let me tell you what will happen. You will not leave your relationship with God because some man messed up. You're joined together by the spirit. I don't care if it's a prominent leader in the church. They can mess up all day long, but that will never cause you to leave your relationship with God. You walk away from God, that tells where your relationship was. Amen? Man, I got to stop here. I don't want to, but I got to stop here. Listen, let's continue to be united in the spirit and in truth. Amen. Because they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. God bless you. Let's take this break and get ready for a dynamic service in Jesus' name.